you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying, is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted, is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the Success Report. Hear ye, hear ye, come one, come all. You are listening to The Sixth Sense Report with Joel Nikoloff and Darnell Samuels. I can't believe it's almost been two years since we touched this topic. Yep, uh, cryptocurrency, man. It's, it's, been, it's been a long time coming. It's been a long time coming. Uh, I, I want to uh, give a shout out to one of our listeners who requested it. And I told him no. <laughs> I told him no. I, I posted it. I posted it on social media. I said, "Hey, well, you know, you guys have any um, episodes you guys want to request?" And he requested, uh, "Hey, you guys should do cryptocurrency." And I was like, "Hell no!" <laughs> so uh, shout out to Primus, <laughs> uh, Optimus. Yo, sh- shout out to uh, Primus Sherwin Primus for uh, requesting this long time ago. No, no, no disrespect, brother. No disrespect. <laughs> So, so I, I, I know he, he's, he's been uh, messing around with some of that crypto. Uh, so we're going to get into some crypto cripping on this episode. And, and, and you know what? This is still, um, I guess, maybe a primer um, because there's so many layers to it. And uh, we want to make sure that our listeners who aren't hip to the crypto gang, um, that they can um, follow along. All right, so this is um, mm-hmm. th- this is a user friendly um, episode, and we'll definitely bring guests on uh, to unpack other nuances about it. Um, so you keep you guys informed. That um, yeah, keep you guys informed. Yeah, so hopefully this is a you know introduction primer, and for I mean even for those that are a little bit more versed, um, I think the conversation will be like versed in, in crypto and and the nuances. There'll be this will be still a helpful conversation. And and maybe something they can share with others who are entering the space or interested in the space. Yeah, and and, and I think it's necessary. Um, this is definitely um, a long time coming and a necessary conversation for you and I. We've hit a lot of lot of points, but we've never we've never hit this conversation. So this should be good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What uh, what's your take on uh, Christians in general towards crypto? Do you see a diverse perspective? What do you What do you um, see for the People I haven't, are... I I haven't, I I haven't really heard too much. I heard some stuff in passing, but uh, not enough to to uh, come to a conclusion. But mm. but one of the one of the things as a Christian, the connection that I make is uh, the um, end times, mark of the beast, new world order um, type of um, uh, alarmism. Um, eschatology type stuff so that that's usually where i where i see it um how, how about you yeah i would say uh something similar i was gonna say like i see a pretty stark divide you've either got the people that are interested investing with varying degrees of understanding and then you've got people that have no idea and and i think for the most part those that are on the outside looking in are more inclined to the eschatology alarmism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll definitely get into that and unpack mm-hmm. that for the listeners. Uh, we'll let you guys know uh, where this ride is going. Uh, so we're going to talk about uh, crypto Christian criticisms, uh, looking at uh, Tim Challey's blog that he wrote about it and some Christians' criticisms of it. Then we'll talk about the history of money 
um, to give a, a context of the conversation and uh, also the impact of COVID-19 on how it's kind of made people more aware of cryptocurrency. And then um, what is uh, what is Bitcoin and, and how is it helpful? How is it um, practical, useful? And then, of course, uh, Joel and I will end with our two cents on on it in regards to is investing in crypto a wise investment? And with that said, um, <laughs> I am not a financial advisor. Uh, the views of Darnell Samuels do not reflect <laughs> to the views of the Sixth Sense reporter, Joel Nikoloff. And uh, yeah, this is not investment advice for education purposes only. Uh, although I don't think we'll be getting into any specific cryptos. For the most part, we'll just use Bitcoin as as a uh, as a reference. Um, maybe yeah. you know, if the audience, you know, on that on that note, you know, for the audience, if there's particular cryptos you're interested in, if you somehow think you have the ability to come on the show and and educate the listener on, you know, some some aspects of crypto that you think uh, would be helpful, or that we didn't address properly. Yeah, as I said, it's a a primer episode. You know, in for Optimus Prime's request uh, or Prime's Primus's request, and so I'm just you know putting the put the put it out there for the listener. If there's an aspect of crypto you want us to talk about, email us sixcentsreport at gmail dot com. Hit us up on social medias, Six Sense Report. Or if you think there, you know, you have the ability or or the knowledge uh, to dig in deeper, and you want to be on the show. You know, pitch pitch your idea to us as to you know how you can contribute to this conversation. All right, without further ado, let's do this, Brutus. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm so entertained by the fact that you've got Big Eva with like. So part of sorry, Tim Challey's article starts out by addressing this Gospel Coalition article. So Big Eva's got a standard. Ask the Economist: Should a Christian invest in Bitcoin? For the most part, I say it's a standard response because it's very much a mainstream response. It doesn't really speak to the qualities or the nuance. And that's where Tim Challey's article does offer a really good sort of rebuttal. Again, I'll put both of those in the show notes page uh, for, for the listener. Um, but I, I love seeing, you know, Big Eva essentially being criticized and and in a manner that just makes their article look sorry, like well, Sorry, uh, for those people who don't know who Big Eva is, it's not, it's not, our, it's not your auntie. Who's Big Eva? Essentially, it's the corporate Christian realm, uh, for the most part, the the mainstream Christian perspectives. There's an aspect that corporatism or maintaining of their power has gotten to gotten to them, such that you know, AD Robles would be a great example, constantly ripping into Big Eva. And, you know, take COVID as a really good example. For the most part, Big Eva's like, do what government says. And there's very little nuance. Romans 13, submit. We're done. Um, so, yeah, Big Eva's sort of getting, uh, getting lambasted, to say the least. Mm-hmm. And, and so, I'm loving it. What was your uh, takeaway from the article? Um, so, for real quick, the TGC article, I thought, really gave your, you know, Two thousand, the year two thousand, economist sort of standard rebuttal uh, that you would expect, and then Tim Challey's article I thought really gets into some of the depth. I really like the graphic that's uh, early on in the article. It says evolution of the web, 
So they would say crypto represents Web 3.0, uh, which is the sub and and sorry, just contrast. So Web 1.0 would have been e-commerce, dedicated infrastructure in terms of like you know the internet and and the underlying uh, technology and hardware that would would power that. Web 2.0 would have been social networks, mobile approach to everything, and then cloud computing, and then Web 3.0, which is where we're at now, AI-driven services decentralized data which is where crypto really focuses its uh innovation and then uh, it says edge computing infrastructure so i thought this graphic is really helpful because so many times i describe distributed ledger technology which is blockchain uh is is a version of distributed ledger technology as the real big innovation and i think web 3.0 is another way of referencing that and what I like to talk about is with regards to Web 1.0, when we were developing email, most people wouldn't have realized Amazon was going to be sort of the 20 years later development. And so similarly, what this innovation creates with distributed ledger technology, Web 3.0, what is the Amazon equivalent going to be? We have no ability to comprehend. You know, and again, if you understand Amazon's history and where it started from to what it became, um, again, you just really, you really don't know what the what the innovation will lead to. So, um, I thought his article does a really good job of giving. I mean, for me, I'm I'm relatively I understand a lot of the technology at least conceptually, um, and so I didn't think it was too technical. I didn't think it was too in the. You know, there's parts if you're brand new to this topic, some of it might be a little bit uh, confusing. Like, you know, you, Web 3.0 might not even have made sense to you uh, when you're, if you're reading it uh, for the first time. But in general, um, I thought it made a really good argument. Especially, I really appreciated the comparison with the printing press and the way they sort of walked through that analogy and, de- you know, the, the ambiguity or the unknowns and how that um, parallels to the chaos that was experienced during that time. So that that was one thing I really appreciated. What about you? What uh, what did you find helpful? Uh, I, I I'm glad the I'm glad TGC actually did an article on this. Um, as the Economist, should a Christian invest in Bitcoin? Because there's an ethical component to um, mm-hmm. economics as well. Uh, one of the takeaway quotes was um, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies produce no dividends. They will never provide a place to to stay or or earn earned income or even interest that's not a prediction it's a fact uh and then another one he says um as a currency bitcoin is not as good as dollars or any other (laughs) currency and then another one he says um how should a christian feel about bitcoin well how do you feel about gambling as an investment strategy Mm -hmm. and and that's you know a couple of those the last two is sort of where I was making a joke about, you know, 2000 economist, the year 2000, like this, this hasn't, that my criticism would be, that's, it's not very nuanced. Now the dividend comment is fair. Now there's, you know, you can make a counter argument to that. And, and I think they do fairly well in mm-hmm. Tim's article. Um, but I, I agree with you with regard. I did. I think both articles had the underlying premise about as a Christian you know, the moral ethic and, and where we put our money, we do have to be concerned about that. And so there, I, I, I agree with you in that the value of the TGC article is really the question 
Uh, and it's a, it's an appropriate question. Well, I disagree with, you know, some of their analysis that answers the question. I think yeah. asking the question is is very appropriate. Yeah, I actually I actually liked it. Um, I actually liked it, and I thought it was helpful. Um, to to um in in regards to seeing both sides of the mm. coin, so it was just helpful for me to see arguments for and against to help me, uh, make an informed decision. Uh, now one thing that um wasn't addressed, but we mentioned it in the start of the show, uh, the eschatology component of, uh, <laughs> of cryptocurrency. <laughs> um, and, and so we'll just quickly touch that real quick. So in Revelation chapter 13, verse 16 to 17, it says, also it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave to be marked on the right hand or on the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. And so you, that's usually the verse that comes up that people say, oh, you see, it's end times. Christ is coming. Crypto's here. Christ is coming. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> but um, just, just, uh, just quickly, just when I just looked at it and I looked, I was going through the verses, Getting into a little bit of exegesis here. Um, just on the face of it, um, verse 16 is seems to be talking about um a literal mark on the right hand and forehead. And from what I've studied about crypto, cryptocurrency is um more in a in a digital form, as in uh numbers, uh digital numbers in the mainframe. And so uh I don't really necessarily see that connection per se. And then in verse 17, uh, not everyone will have access to crypto, I believe. I could be wrong. Um, so the essence of crypto um, is decentralization. So it's in uh, direct contradiction to what the government and banks stand for, which is centralization, social planning. And so I think as long as we have banks and long as we have the government hierarchy, I think those two will um, constantly, constantly be in conflict with each other. So I, I, I don't, I don't think, um, I, I don't think that's good exegesis to say that that's the, um, that Bitcoin is the mark of the beast. Um, so please, we mentioned this before, stay away from newspaper eschatology, um, and yeah. using, uh, <laughs> using, uh, your Twitter timeline to interpret revelation. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, I would say that I think though at the same time, the technology that, that, uh, the idea of decentralized ledgers and the ability to not rely on one body potential or, or or not rely on one agency from a you know the fiat currency perspective mm -hmm. the this innovation does potentially make the concept of one world currency or you know a, a global economy more likely and so to some extent it the innovation i think does symbolically show us where we are progressing and we are progressing more likely to be in line with the prophecy uh, or, or the book of Revelation. But at the same time, I think everything you said is, is correct. Well, uh, so with that said, Joel, um, for the sake of the conversation, um, I think it's important. And, and you know what? And actually, you've brought this to me before the Sixth Sense Report. Um, you know, just me and you talking and you um, schooling me on the importance of the history of money and what is sound money. Um, so uh, can you 
uh, tell us why it's important to have an understanding of sound money in relation to this conversation about um, cryptocurrency? Yeah, definitely. I think I think the the starting point for me a lot of times is for people to recognize their ignorance of what money is. And and the reason I say it that way is because, you know, many people think they understand money, they get it, but I would argue it is the way that our governments use money and their ignorance of money that is why many, let's say, injustices in our society continue. Now, I won't totally go down that road, but what I'm trying to get at is that I think we take money for granted and understanding what is money and how it can be manipulated, how it can be prevented from manipulation is important. So um, I guess... Um, Sorry, go ahead. I was going to I was going to add something that you that you were once showing me and you were explaining to me about um the the Fed. Uh you I remember you talking to me about um the Fed um and how it um is that it it um it writes checks in a sense. Right? It writes checks out of thin air um <laughs> to buy <laughs> to buy a US treasury bonds and other assets to keep the economy from uh, collapsing. Yeah. So, right? um, in essence, what we the, like, so the Fed, the Federal Reserve in the U.S., Canada's is a little bit different system, but but technically not much different. They are the creator of a fiat currency, and so a fiat currency is different, or currency is different than money. And so, I would say that. The best way of thinking about that is, well, there's fiat currency, there's commodities that became currency, which would have been gold and silver, and now mm. you've got cryptocurrencies. And so in that sense, they all potentially are money, but the fiat currency is how predominantly we have functioned, at least for the last hundred years. Yeah, And this is where I think a lot of our ignorance of money comes from. So to your point, there's been some claims, not sure how many of our listeners would have heard this, something like 40% of the money that exists today, and I think this is the US dollar, um, I've heard this quote, something like 40% of the dollars that exist today were, ma- were created in 2021, which again, if you're not, that, that sounds, how, that doesn't even make sense. That's un- inconceivable. And I'll get there in a second, I think. So historically, Things, and I say things intentionally, commodities and other things became money because they provided a use. So at the, at the end of the day, money is just another good in the economy. It is a good that allows us to preserve purchasing power for a future date. So I go to work, I get paid. Instead of you know, uh, the old school way of selling my five cows and getting 35 shovels from the guy that I was trading with and now having to go sell 35 shovels, uh, I traded using a different good money that was more divisible so that I could turn around and buy goods at appropriate quantities in in sort of a a more efficient manner. So over time, uh, at one point, salt was money. Uh, and 
the argument would be that gold and silver sort of naturally became money for about 5,000 years. And then, uh, could I also add that, like, the way, the reason why we're talking about this is because um, it's, it's like an evolution of money um, and how we've evolved with money. So, because of the, um, the Federal Reserve, the fact that it exists and the amount of power that it wields, but for those of us who aren't, um, financially knowledgeable on the history of money. We don't even know, some people don't even know what the Federal Reserve is or that it even exists, but it does exist and it, <laughs> and it, um, and it does big things. Um, so, so like I was saying before in regards to it, um, how it um, create, writes checks out of thin air. And so it buys US, so follow, follow my train of thought. So it follows, it buys US treasury bonds and then collects the interest off of it, mm-hmm. right? And then um, from the government, and, yeah, yeah, from yeah. Um, well, yes, the the interest, well, from the government, but the government gets that money from the, the people through taxes, right? And so the, the Federal Fed Reserve then, is not a federal organization, or no, a it's reserve. not. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. And this it's yo, a private organization. Yeah, the, this is this is this is. That's a whole nother episode. Yeah, so it's not it's not a bank. And so this is important to know that like this organization really does exist and they really are printing money and watering down the money you're working for for retirement. And so the Fed, and this is from uh, the book Why A Students Work for C Students by Robert Kiyosaki. And he says, the um the money then flows to the biggest banks into the into the economy. Uh, the Fed then collects interest on the bonds, interest paid by taxpayers. What happens to the money the Fed collects? That's the trillion dollar question. Mm-hmm. So, so the, 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 what I'm saying is that uh, the Fed is um, an insatiable monster, uh, was an insatiable <laughs> appetite, and it's going to continue to uh, water down the money. And so this is why it's important going forward into the future to know that putting money under your mattress or saving it in your bank account it will lose value just because of the existence of the Fed. So you, it's good to have a, an alternative means to store your money. This mm-hmm. is why the crypto conversation is important. So uh, two things that come to mind. One, I would say that the Fed doesn't, isn't the one with the insatiable appetite. Okay. Because the Fed is feeding the insatiable appetite of government to spend money. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So in and of themselves, they, for the most part, the Fed... I mean, there is a goal, technically speaking, to to sort of target inflation, which uh, I'll speak to in a second. But in general, they print money in order to fund the government deficits. Government has an insatiable appetite to spend more money than they bring in in tax revenue. And the way that they do that is by the Federal Reserve printing mm-hmm. money, or in mm-hmm. Canada, the central bank, creating money to fund their deficits. When you create money, you devalue or you make the money that already exists out there worth less. Now, this is where... So, uh, before I wanted to get to inflation, but before uh, we do... Okay, sorry, before you go, go to inflation, yeah, yeah. just to be clear, because you, you, you mentioned a fiat um, currency. Yes. And, and so it's important to know, like, before when, the, when our money was backed by, by gold, right? The money had, it was backed by something, so it wasn't fiat then. Mm-hmm. Um, when 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 we took the the dollar off of the gold standard, that's when it became fiat. And what uh, fiat actually means is 
it shall be done by decree right the- so so yeah so so in a sense uh fiat money is uh basically not backed by gold backed by backed the monopoly by, of government backed by um it shall be done by the the the, the fed genie no it's, it wishes it's back my the government who has a gun and forces you to accept it i like i like the genie uh, <laughs> illustration better yeah. but yeah go so, ahead go ahead um, go ahead about i was just inflation. so just for for the listener you're like well how did we get from backed by gold to fiat really there's a, a somewhat of a long story in the i think it was nixon yeah, well, there's the, yeah, the Bretton Woods is essentially yeah. the end of that. But just for the listener to understand, really, fiat currency is very similar to what we used to have was like banknotes or claims to the gold that I was storing. So when I gave someone a $5 in the 1900s, it was $5 worth of gold. And I was giving them a claim to the gold that I had stored. And now when they brought that claim to the bank, they'd be able to take from my reserve. Yes, because commodity had, money. Right? And so that those papers is essentially what migrated into the paper fiat currency we have today. And so there was an aspect of, in what you're talking about, Bretton Woods, when they finally broke this relationship with the gold standard, it didn't seem different because they were already exchanging dollars in in a similar manner the only difference was now there's no backed currency so uh we could spend a whole bunch of time on getting into that yeah. and, and that's a whole rabbit trail and yeah. maybe we'll save that for uh, for an interview yeah yeah um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. With, with someone but, who's an expert but yeah yeah the, the thing i would say is with inflation and how this relates because this ties into crypto and and really um you know what we've seen in and the last actually year. and also covid in COVID. yes yes exactly yes. so um Inflation, the word inflation historically meant increasing the money supply. Now, inflation many times leads to price inflation. Well, it does lead to price inflation, generally speaking. The question becomes where, and, and I think this is, I, there's, a, there's a statement that I'll make that relates to COVID that I think for a lot of listeners, you might not, it might not make sense. And if it doesn't, I would say, reach out to me, message me, help. You know, I want to understand what people understand about it, but I also like helping people wrestle through concepts. So when COVID first happened and the government decided to shut the economy down, you were going to cause the production of goods to reduce significantly. The production of goods, if the, what happens arguably is the amount of money in the system doesn't change. But the quantity of goods that that money is chasing declines, you are going to get inflation. Because there, and, and it goes back to this there's this equation, it's called the velocity of money. I would call it more of a relationship than a, a pure equation. But the equation is that velocity is equal to price times quantity divided by money supply. And so the idea, what, what I've just said was if the price of goods don't change, but the quantity of money declines by 20% or 50% because the government decided to shut the economy down, in order for, let's assume the velocity of money is not going to change, the money supply is not going to change, the only way for that equation to hold, and I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to see the equation, you can see it. The only way for that to hold is for price inflation to go up to offset the quantity decline. So the reason why that's relevant is this demonstrates that price changes can be totally 
related to the relationship of amount of money in the system related to the goods. And the reason why I want to bring it back to that is because we have this false sense that money represents wealth. The only reason why money represents wealth is because it represents the underlying goods that are produced. If you have no production and you have money, your money is meaningless. There's nothing to buy. Um, and so, yeah, I know it's a bit of a tirade, but this is where go back to money is a good. And money primarily derives its value because I can ascertain the amount of goods I can buy with it in the future. This is why in eras of high inflation, what do people do? They either buy other currencies or if you go back to like, you know, Weimar Germany, they were literally buying everything they could buy with the money they got paid today because tomorrow everything would have a higher price. And and I guess the, and so this is why we're talking about crypto and why crypto's Yes, because today's popular. Crypto's got a I mean, it's, it has a libertarian underlying in terms of its creation. It's about, because I, I, so the statement I always make is that we have currency backed governments, which what I mean by that is without the currency, the government loses all of its power. So historically, when people start losing confidence in the currency or the fiat currency, what do they do? They go to gold. Look at 2008. In 2008, the price of gold in the US went up 400%. And the argument was that this was a repressed gold price that was now resettling to the true value because people started recognizing the currency they've been using was not as worth was not worth as much as they had historically thought. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. so crypto now becomes an alternative to gold potentially, but gold was already an alternative to the fiat currency. So in reality, I would say crypto is an alternative to fiat the same way gold is an alternative to fiat in that when i don't trust the value of it i'm going to look for alternatives that will preserve value better now the one caveat right now because of its infancy crypto is going to be very volatile and this is where i think uh the tim challey's article um again it's not written by tim challey's just for disclosure purposes there's three mm-hmm. other guys involved. In yes, sir. Um, but it's on his website. So Tim Challey's article uh, does a good job of, of speaking to the volatility due to the innovation, due to the chaos and, and all of the... That said, there's going to be a bunch of cryptos that go to nothing. And there's going to be a... I would argue you're probably going to have some something equivalent to AOL.com, which was the industry leader <laughs> for a long time and no longer exists. Right, right. Right. So, so I would say you're mo- very likely to see a lot of parallels to what we saw with Web 1.0 in Web 3.0. Meaning you're good- when you have FOMO, people are going to invest in really bad projects. And when you have FOMO, people are going to take advantage of oh, bad whoa, whoa, investors. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, you lost me with the FOMO. Man. Oh, fear of missing out. So when you have fear of missing out on the profits that other people are earning in this industry... You're now, if you go in and try to invest just to, well, it's, it's a money maker. Of course I'm going to make money. No, you're going to get ripped off. You're going to lose money because you're trying to do a, a get rich quick scheme. So leaving the hype <laughs> is the hype, right? Well, the uh, hype so, real yeah, but, but the, my point was go back to what I was saying. There's going to be a lot of projects. Some of them will be like AOL.com and they'll make a whole bunch of money along the way. They'll do really good. And eventually something better will come along and supplant them. There will also be 
Pets.com. If anyone knows what Pets.com was, it was basically a company that got its stock price like over a hundred bucks, and it was nothing more than a web address. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so the point is that th- this is a very risky industry to invest in. As a, if you were to just pick one project, those that one project or one crypto is more risky than picking one company. That said, I would say it's getting to the point where it's almost more risky to not have some investment in the industry mm-hmm. because the innovation is undeniable. There, there is going to be a future with crypto. The question is, we don't really know what does it look like. So the whole point about the inflation, I think I want to touch just on COVID-19. In the last year, I talked about all the money being printed. Well, there's a really good uh, YouTube video with Tucker Carlson talking about the inflation stuff. But about, uh, so it's a 12 minute video about the nine minute mark. He's like, in 2021, the S&P 500 is up 30%. Crypto, or sorry, Bitcoin in 2021 is up 170%. And Ethereum in the same time frame, which is all of 2021, is up 600%. So this is where some of the FOMO comes into play. I could have six times my money if I was holding Ethereum instead of my $100,000 RSP long-term portfolio in stocks. Oh my goodness, I could buy a house, right? Like this. Yeah. And I've been seeing stuff online. <laughs> I, I, I've been seeing stuff online um, from uh, guys that I follow, friends that are showing, like, hey, look, you want to get in on this crypto thing and, and um, cash out? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, inbox me. And then, and then the next day, you know, you see the dude with a new car. Yeah, it's not it's not a YouTube ad. Like this is like people are really um trying to stunt and make people think like, okay, yo, you're you're missing out if you're not getting in on the crypto wave. Well, and and I mean, there's there's lots of ways that you can make money. Yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah, we, we, money. yeah. We'll get to that. Yeah, you, we'll we'll get to that <laughs> so, at the end. So, but um, what is what is um Bitcoin? Agree or disagree with our views? Give us your two cents. You can leave your comments on any of our social media platforms or email us at sixcentsreport at gmail.com. Six cents makes six cents makes six cents makes six cents. Yeah, so um, Bitcoin. To me, again, I go back to um, Bitcoin is fundamentally a application of distributed ledger technology. And, and distributed ledger technology is the idea of I can have a database that is housed in a manner that is decentralized, but of at utmost security. So historically, databases were we're all about you would maintain a database, you would maintain its integrity by securing access. You essentially had backups, you know, you'd have a server with backups and all of this, you know, in order to protect whether it's a bank and you're protecting people's bank balances so that nobody can come along and just move numbers around. Whatever it is, that it was always decentralized was the means to control and prevent fraud. So the distra 
distributed ledger technology is the idea that I can have consensus across an entire network in a manner that is absolutely secure. So for, for me with my crypto, uh, I have a USB device that if I don't plug that USB device in, in order to authenticate transactions, no transaction can, can be, nobody could steal money from me. The only way you could technically steal my crypto is to hold me at gunpoint and force me to do a transaction. Mm-hmm. And now there, there's, uh, I'll say some caveats, but for the most part, there aren't really any caveats. Um, and again, we're speaking in generalities. We're not speaking about any particular cryptos because there's a there's, lot of depth yeah. here. Um, yeah, you know, but thousands, but hundreds one, of thousands of projects. Yes, at this but point, but so. the but the from what I've learned that Bitcoin is uh, the only cryptocurrency that is the most decentralized. Um, I I mean, so there's some people who would dispute that um, because they're and this is getting into the weeds a little bit. There's an aspect of like there's sort of three communities at the same time because within crypto there's also a a developer network and there's also uh people who process transactions and and there's an you know some sense that power can uh accumulate in those segments of the market and so some people would argue that that makes it less decentralized but but again we can yeah. par- and and there's derivatives right you've got bitcoin you've got bitcoin cash you've got you know technically dogecoin is a, a is a, essentially a, the same thing as as uh Bitcoin in its in its technology in its underlying. So one of the values is the idea with the distributed ledger technology. There's an open source. Well, open source might not be the right word. There's an open platform to where the protocol is, and that protocol is available for everybody. So with Bitcoin, everybody knows the maximum number of Bitcoins that will be created and how that those coins will be created over time. How that creation diminishes to the point where it eventually becomes zero, and and the the idea there is that the currency itself is naturally deflationary, which means the government can't create more in order to fund the special interest projects that the taxpayers don't realize they're paying for in the future. But again, this comes back to the fact that it's a protocol that is available for everyone to see. And so uh, just to show a little bit of contrast, fiat currencies have no such protocol. We don't know at what rate the government's going to print their money. Tomorrow or COVID could come along and they decide we're just going to print 40% new dollars in the crypto world. There's a new terminology is being thrown around, which would be called central bank digital currencies. I would say those are largely equivalent to a fiat currency. All the problems we experience today with fiat currencies, the ability for government to print money that the taxpayers essentially don't realize they're being taxed through their savings because their savings is becoming less valuable when the government prints money. Those same problems are going to occur on a central bank digital currency. It's just a digital version of a fiat currency. Mm-hmm. So then what would you say what would you say is um what are the benefits of Bitcoin? I mean <laughs> that that that's an endless statement because it's not just the Bitcoin, it's it's the app the further and further application. So Again, oversimplification, there's alternatives here. Bitcoin is, as I said, the first application of distributed ledger technology 
you could argue Ethereum is like a second level to that where they've built in smart contracts. So, sorry, Joel. Sorry, Joel. Joel. Sorry. What's Ethereum? Uh, Ethereum is just another cryptocurrency. But mm-hmm. Ethereum builds in the idea of a contract. Now, this is going to be an oversimplification, but but one example of that would be I'm going to ship you some goods. You're going to pay me $10,000 for those goods. Well, in order to make this, I you don't want to give me the money before I send it because now you're at risk. And I don't want to send the goods until you send me the money because now I'm at risk. So the smart contract scenario could be that the money, so I as the buyer, would put the money into a reserve account that now as soon as I authenticate the receipt of goods, the money goes to you. And you have confidence that I have the money to pay for the goods because you see it show up in the reserve account. So think of Bitcoin as purely transactional and then Ethereum being, oh, we're going to add smart contracts. So we're going to add a legal contract to the money system in order that it just happens. So now I don't have to you know, send the money to a lawyer to put it in trust and then call the lawyer later to say you can release the funds. No, the, the protocol itself essentially can build in all the controls such that, let's call it sophisticated monetary transaction, is now executed automatically. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, some, ways, some ways that I've, I've seen how um, it, it's helpful is that um, people, who are, um, people are able to uh, trade in privacy, and, that, and that's something big for a lot of people. Um, especially from a Christian perspective, for people who are um, in uh, countries that are churches that are in persecuted countries where um, they can't freely receive money because the government is going to take some off the top or just deny money being sent uh, to these churches. You can send uh, money privately um, from one country to another. Well, in, in essence, um, you know, what they're doing is they're getting around the monetary control in that country. Mm-hmm. Right, because I want to. I can't send Canadian dollars to Uganda. Yeah. Right. I need generally U.S. dollars work, but eventually that those currencies have to get translated into a local currency. Right. The problem is that I have to use a traditional banking system that has gatekeepers that can prevent the ability for me to even send the money to that country. Right. Another example is that um, the African. And this is from the um, G, um, the um, TGC article. And it says, uh, for example, the African diaspora, nearly 140 million Africans live abroad, um, has become such a major source of foreign income that it now outstrips foreign aid sent by Western donors. Unfortunately, about $7 billion a year, $7 billion a year uh, never makes it into the relatives' accounts because of uh, high bank fees. Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies may pave uh, the way for future transfer methods that circumvent the current system of exorbitant transaction costs, allowing more money to be transferred directly to needy family members. I think that's helpful. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a huge... And this is where, like, in general, the idea with crypto, uh, and this is where, you know, again, you get into the nuances because Bitcoin has somewhat high transaction costs. Bitcoin Cash, was, which is a derivative, focus specifically on trying to have low low transaction costs like to the point i'm talking like it cost me a penny to do a transaction in bitcoin cash where it'll cost me a couple dollars to do the trend same same amount 
let's I'll just say five hundred bucks. So I was gonna move five hundred dollars in Bitcoin. It might cost me, and I don't know the actual numbers off the top of my head, but it might cost me two to three dollars. Whereas in Bitcoin Cash, it's gonna cost me three cents. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and I mean, this is part of what I was saying. The solutions that eventually become the long-term conclusion. Again, it's not to say that Bitcoin can't solve that problem. Uh, they just currently they're trying to solve it through something called Lightning Network. And it, I would say, in the simplest sense, they haven't fully solved it. Um, and and when it comes to transaction costs, what I was talking about Ethereum before is plagued by even worse problems. Like we're talking like hundred dollar transaction costs at some point in times. So now, if you're doing a hundred thousand dollar smart contract, do you care that it costs you a hundred bucks to facilitate it? No. So uh, at the end of the day, that is one of the biggest use cases for cryptocurrencies is the idea of lowering transaction costs, providing banking to the unbanked. Um, and it, and it's this is where I would say the innovation is still needing to occur because grandma still can't use crypto for the most part. You know, she's it's not like I could send my gra- my grandma a hundred bucks and tomorrow she's already got it. And no, she I have to know she's already knows how to use crypto she's already on the network um now that said lots of people drive their car and not know how to use their car but the innovation has to make the user experience simple enough that there's no barrier to entry right if you don't know how to drive a manual car because you don't understand how the transmission works you just don't get in the car so there's some innovations needed before you know, crypto is going to take over the world, let's say. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, but I think right. you've actually described one of the best use cases. You talked about with, you know, let's say with, with helping out family members in need, but just the idea of cross, you know, geography transactions happening within seconds. I could literally send $100 million in, if I had it, in crypto to, you know, someone in, Uganda in literally minutes. Now, the, the dilemma is the ability for them to use the crypto in that country because you would still need an off-ramp and an on-ramp, right? So let's hy- hypothetically, they would need to convert the crypto that I sent them into currencies that are available there. Now, if people started accepting crypto there, then I don't have a problem. But if nobody accepts crypto there, well, they have to convert that crypto into Ugandan dollars, and now they need to find somebody who's going to to facilitate that transaction. Otherwise, you still have the same problem, as you described. The politician's going to take their twenty percent, and someone else is going to take their twenty percent, and you know the same problem that we're trying to resolve doesn't really get resolved. But really, what we're talking about is addressing like nineteen early, like the it's like the train tracks that the entire monetary system result revolves around is is like the terminology is like two day clearing houses and it's it's a very archaic system and blockchain in general and the the big coin here that's being used is called XRP XRP well at least that's the way i see it XRP is solving the the clearing of transactions between let's say central banks or big banks that normally takes two plus days for companies to settle, right? If I'm with CIBC and you're with TD and I send you money, technically those two banks don't settle for two days, even though my email money transfer to you showed up in five seconds. Right. Okay. So then 
as it relates to your two cents, is investing in crypto a wise investment? And this is not investment advice, as previously indicated. As I said, I think it's getting to the point where if by not investing in crypto, you're taking on more risk. And the reason is, I would actually argue, it's not just the inflationary stuff. It's that a lot of countries are, and Canada is 100% doing this, adopting modern monetary theory without saying it. And the approach there is basically we can sprint, we can spend as much as we want. We just have to tax it back later and be careful about inflation. Well, as you can tell, they're not really, they weren't really that careful about inflation because they dismiss it as like, oh, no, no, don't worry. We don't need to worry about inflation. It, we just have to, you know, in theory, worry about inflation. So when, and, and just for context, if you're in a high inflationary place, you want to hold assets that will rise in value. So a lot of people would want to hold hard assets. And alternatively, you want to hold other currencies that are not inflating. So if you knew that the country of Zimbabwe was taking a sound monetary policy, which was they weren't inflating, they weren't printing money to fund government spending, potentially you could move your currency out of Canadian dollars into Zimbabwean dollars and now you're not going to lose to the Canadian government's inflation because five years from now, I just turn around and switch it back and it's at the new higher prices. So if you have $10,000 in cash in your bank account, that's probably the worst thing you can do during an inflationary period. You'd be mm-hmm. better off going out and buying potentially a $10,000 painting and holding on to it for 10 years when the inflationary period is over. The problem is that if you held on to that $10,000 in five years, if you've gone through 10% inflation for that time period, roughly speaking, that $10,000 buys half as much goods as it did at the beginning of the inflationary period. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I've been investing in crypto since 2017. Let's say 2017 was a horrible year to buy crypto. Fortunately, I didn't allow my <laughs> significant losses to deter me from investing more money in 2018. Such that I can say that the gains on what I invested in 2018 outweighs any of the loss I had in 2017 from the 2017 purchases. Now, in general, I think standard investment advice applies, which is diversification. So an oversimplification from an investment perspective that I take would be like 25% in gold, 25% in crypto, 25% in stocks, 25% in real estate. And again, that's an oversimplification. Those aren't exactly the percentages I follow, but it's just demonstrating the idea of like, right. I, I, I want portfolio assets, I want inflation hedges, and I want more, you know, you could argue that the in stock portfolio was less risky if I take, depending on what I buy. Uh, and then my crypto is the more risky part of my portfolio. Gold is probably the most conservative part and real estate would be cash flow positive. So they all have different aspects and different approaches. and and. Now, I would then apply diversification further. Within crypto, if you don't know anything about crypto, I would say you probably want to buy, like, and they're hard to come find, come by right now, but like, either buy a company that is investing in crypto or buy like an ETF that's tagged to crypto, or there are some like um, mutual funds that are starting to be more crypto based. Because now you're saying, okay, I want exposure to this industry, 
but I don't know anything about making a smart business decision. So I'm going to invest with somebody else who's making that smart business decision because they have the knowledge and understanding. And th- this that's where going back to what I was saying before about FOMO. If you're investing based on fear of missing out, I, you know, I want to make money quick, get rich quick schemes. Chances are you don't have the knowledge to know what's a good asset, what's a rising asset that I can just exploit and then sell. Or is this, as you know, use what I said, are you riding AOL.com when it goes on a high, take some of the gains, buy something else, but then eventually knowing that AOL.com is going to go bankrupt or no longer exist. What about, what's, what's your two cents? Where, where are you at with crypto, uh, investing in crypto? Is it, do you think it's wise? Uh, I think, I think we want to join the crypto crypts. <laughs> <laughs> join the crypto crypts and get on uh, join the gang um eventually um yeah i think that um uh yeah that the acronym fomo in regards to you know the fear of missing out i think i think it's warranted in light of the conversation we had about fiat currency um in the fed and again like i said not a lot of people know about that but the idea is that whether you like it or not whether you know it exists or not um our money will continue to get watered down, um, which means um, taxes will go up and inflation goes up. And that's a double tax on us. Um, and especially as, you know, most of our listeners are, are adults, um, have kids and are married and are dialing down in age. And so you want to dial down well, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody, you know, nobody wants to be, you know, would you like fries with that at 80? At 80. <laughs> Eighty, you know what I mean? Like nobody, yeah, nobody yeah. Wants. you don't want to have to work, but <laughs> yeah, you want to like work you wanna, out of pleasure yeah, and enjoyment. Yeah, and something to you do. want to watch your grandkids. You, you want to dial down. You want to travel um, and enjoy the fruits of your labor. So you have to be wise and willing to do what nobody else is willing to do now. And this is why um, it's important. So um, you know, we talk about uh, with type beast. Don't believe the hype. Read the type. I think I think it still applies here. Don't believe the hype. Um, read the text, read the, read the type. Um, and I was reading the book, uh, The Intelligent Investor, the definitive book on value investing by Benjamin Graham. Um, I'm not going to recommend it, <laughs> but it's, it's a good book. It's, 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 it's just it's pretty dry. It's pretty dry and weighty, but, but there's, there's a lot of uh, solid nuggets of truth. And in it, um, he, he talks about um, people who are speculators and investors. Um, And he says this, an investor calculates what a stock is worth based on the value of its businesses. A speculator gambles that that a stock will go up in price because somebody else will pay (laughs) even more for it. As Graham once put it, investors judge the market price by established standards of value, while speculators base their standards of value upon uh, the market price. So he says this to summarize, and I think this might be helpful. Uh, Graham urges you to invest only if you would be comfortable owning a stock, even if you had uh, no way of knowing um, its daily share price. Mm. So the idea is that you are truly invested in it because of the product versus uh, jumping in because of the hype. From a historical standpoint, for me as a historian, I'm convinced mm. by cryptocurrency, just purely on a historical perspective. I'm just like, okay, from what I see history going, and then in light of what we saw with COVID, I'm, I'm doubly convinced. 
after mm-hmm. COVID, I was just like, okay, yeah, no, 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 no. Oh, yeah, no, no, we're going to, you know, get this bailout program for this. And we're going to, you know, print some money for this. And they were, and they were just outright just saying it. So, you know, I like to, you know, use these opportunities as turning points to, you know, set up my family for the future. Um, and so part of it is, and like you were saying, like you want to diversify your, your, your portfolio and, 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 and there's not to get too detailed, but I've mentioned this before, um, in regards to three types of, um, income. So you have your ordinary income, your regular nine to five. And when we had, um, uh, germinal on the show, um, a couple episodes back, he made a great point. He says, you know, you'll never, you'll never get wealthy working nine to five. It's impossible, right? You have to break that mold. And the only way you can do that is through entrepreneurship and being able to, um, create money outside of the ordinary, which means you're going from ordinary, which means you still have your ordinary, but then you have the portfolio income. Mm-hmm. And then you have that passive income, mm-hmm. which, which comes from like the real estate stuff where, 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 where the money's coming well, and in. And entrepreneurial stuff too, right? So yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, like yeah, you yeah, could yeah, own a franchise or something, or you, right? you, you own assets that generate cash flow. Um, real estate's the best example because it's the simplest for people to get. Um, and then right. passive just being your savings portfolio. But a lot of times that would be, you know, stocks, bonds type stuff. But but essentially you could put gold in there too because you're not getting an immediate return, but you're trying to hold something for a longer term. Right. And so and so like what I would leave the listeners with is, you know, make sure that you are um being an investor and not a speculator. Mm-hmm. Um and 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 definitely um do your homework and that's what separates you from your peers and that's what you want to do you want to separate yourself from your peers and and do the work and study and be invested in it and and so i'll I'll leave with this bible verse here proverbs chapter 17 verse 16 and it says what use is money in the hand of a fool since he has no desire to get wisdom take that yeah was that is, is that the uh he's just gonna go bury it and give it back to his master later yeah, well, well, you know, but part of it is, yeah, like just, just go get wisdom, ask people questions, uh, read books, and step outside of your tax bracket, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if you grew up in a family that that takes their money and buries it, um, you know, start talking to people whose family <laughs> or reading who 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 never who didn't take their money and buried it, but flipped it. Or, or you um, became in a family who t- got their money and spent it. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, because because at the end of the day, you got to. This save is competition. It. Yeah, yeah. Well, 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 this is competition. We're in competition with our peers. We're in competition um, with ourselves, and especially you know me and you, Joel. You know we have families, um, and pretty soon we have to um, lead and take care of our families, not just our our wives and our kids, but um, our moms and our dads. Right. And, you know, our, our wives, moms and dad, you know, like, so we like, this isn't a joke. This isn't a, this isn't a fad play, play ting as Jamaicans say, Mm -hmm. um, we, we got to get serious about, um, the math. Um, and if you don't know, then ask somebody who does know. And if somebody doesn't want to tell you, then keep, then read a book and the book will tell you what you need to know. So yeah, that's my two cents. And I hope that was encouraging for you guys because I I really think this is important. I I wanted to ask a a question to you because what you said as we as we wrap up here, you said the comment about, you know, the government, what they did in response to COVID, 
right? Are you talking about the fact that without fiat money, without the ability to print money, they would have never been able to do what they did? Or were you talking about something else? Because that's what I think of. That's where I was. Yeah, like, yeah, no, 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 no. For the former, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we hit that point. Yeah, yeah, it's, no, it's no, it's just obvious. Like, yeah, 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 it's just it's just one of those things. Like, yeah, it's right in front of us. They say it. They said it right in front of you on TV. You don't have to read a book now. Like they said it right in front of you. So yeah, we already know that. You're, yeah, you're like, oh, so so my money ain't gonna be, you know, my pension ain't gonna be worth nothing. So you know what I mean? I'm, I'm gonna see you one day when I'm when I'm 80 and you behind the register at, at KFC or something. Well, you know, it's we like, like Trudeau said, right? Extra uh, crispy, right? A two piece extra crispy, darn. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Hey, man. I'm about to head to the cottage with Joel, man. I'm about to head to the cottage with Joel and Jenna, man. Um, grown Zeke, Zeke with his kids, man. I'm about to about to go see Zeke with his kids, man. Like, oh, maybe when I get off my shift. But but yeah yeah no. But the point I think that that like Trudeau, what Trudeau said was something to the effect of, right now is not the time to think about monetary policy. Mm. Right, I'm not thinking about monetary policy right now. Or, you know, of course and, not. And I mean, he, he's obviously the guy who said the budget would balance itself. Yeah. But but this is the point. What, from a Christian perspective, we are called to count the cost before mm-hmm. we go to war. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Like if you're going to implement a program, you need to think about the cost. And this is where, you know, when we had that first episode with IJ, which was like our first COVID episode, IJ and, and the Kazingram dialogue, right? In that conversation, I kept saying, "Cost, economic cost, inc- includes everything." What is the like this? This I, and the politicians were, oh, you know, we don't think about cost. No, we got to think about lives. And and to me, it's just such a level of ignorance. So um, I know we could totally keep going on a on a rant on that. But we can do it on another episode. So as I said, let us know. Let us know what you guys think, man. And and let us know uh, what aspect of crypto you want to hear us talk about more. Crypto cribbing. Yeah, yeah. Let us know what you guys think. Um, what wasn't clear. Um, and and let's con- like this probably won't be the last time we hit the conversation. So we'll nuance this. And also, guys, um, subscribe to our YouTube channel because, uh, with the YouTube channel, it allows us to create playlists. And so we have a, a lot of. So we're gonna have a, um a, a crypto. Uh, currency playlist um, for you guys as we continue to build this up. So, for example, uh, we have playlists on on uh, economics, Canadian politics, COVID ethics, uh, COVID politics. Uh, so, and, and and this is good in case you're you know you're writing a paper or you're doing some research and you're like you know what man, you just want to hear a quick playlist of some of our episodes and how we talked about. Economics and theology, Canadian racism, critical race theory, economics, political science, Canadian politics, indigenous relations, subsidiarity, historiography, um, all that, all that good stuff. So, Six Sense Report um, on YouTube. And just for context, they're they're all in, uh, you know, ten to fifteen minute videos. So they're they're segments. Yeah, of yeah, this yeah. Episode, as opposed Yo. to you know full episodes in, yes. in a playlist form. So yes. Two um, minutes, three minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes—all little wonderful chunks. So check it out with with, with a bunch of specialists because we have great we have great guests, don't we, Joel? Yes, we, we get do. we have we, great guests. So, we have yeah, yeah. So blessed, all the all so. the all the commentary from the great guests is it's curated on these wonderful playlists to help you uh, make change. And uh, I'm gonna do my best. Put a bunch of stuff in the show notes page. Uh, one one of the uh, talks will be uh, uh, a for and against crypto uh, with. Uh, 
Peter Schiff going hardcore on the, the gold side as much. I think he's a little bit wrong on the crypto, but he's got some good counter arguments for those mm. that, uh, you know, are a little bit skeptical. You'll hear some some reasonable criticisms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So remember, guys, remember, let's take care of those babies, baby. Six cents makes change. But you heard me. Does that make sense? Madden and Mitchell Media.